Thanks for listening to the River Claremont podcast. We pray you are encouraged by today's message. For more information or to stay connected with what's happening at the river, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the River Claremont. confused about that. Amen. We don't have to put biological in the front of it because we actually know you're a dude. The Adam's apple and the deep voice gave it away. Amen. All right. Anyways, it's got quiet in this Presbyterian church. People losing their sense of humor this day and age because of cancel culture. I will continue to laugh. Take a moment today and thank someone that is serving here at the River Church. There are so many people that serve week in and week out to make this experience as awesome and life-changing as it can be. On your way out, if you brought children with you today that are no longer with you but in the care of another person, make sure that you thank that 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 person on your way out as you pick your kids up. And know that that person faithfully prayed, faithfully studied the word to bring something to your kid today that would change and shape their future with the power of the anointing and the word of God. Amen. Thank the worship team because not only did they just play for two solid hours straight, but they probably put about eight hours in of practice this week just to be ready for this worship set this morning. Amen. Thank those that are going out Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays promoting and building the kingdom of God and winning souls from darkness and bringing them into light, seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost and healed on the streets of Claremont because you share in that fruit. Amen. Thank those that that pour out their hearts, their lives, and open their homes to you as they serve and connect groups and ministering to people in smaller settings because they love you, they care for you, and they are helping shape your mind, your thoughts, your calling by pouring out into your life. Amen. Amen. Thank those that are showing up every Thursday to distribute food here Two weeks ago, in an absolute torrential downpour, we were doing a counseling session, and it came a monsoon, and all I could think was, those poor people. My God, and I had to walk across in the rain with an umbrella, and I felt like such an, like a loser. Here I am in an umbrella waving at them as they're doing the work of the Lord, and I'm like, counseling. <laughs> felt awful. So I went home, and showered with my clothes on to feel what they felt it was disgusting thank those because they are the hands and feet of jesus that are absolutely making a difference so once more you are a part of i was thinking about that when we when we first came here seven years ago feels like my entire life has been here by the way i can't even remember what life was like before this but uh, we had a desire <laughs> to, uh, to, to do food ministry, to, be, to, to feed those in need. So we would try different things, and we didn't have a lot of resources to start with, uh, nor a lot of volunteers to start with. Um, we didn't really have anything to start with <laughs> but prayer. Amen. And uh, what we wound up doing was, over time, we, we came up with the idea. We would show up on the last Saturday of every month to... When Dixie and we would buy people groceries. And so we would go around and we started doing this thing. We called it Not Bread Alone. 
and we'd, we'd feed people groceries and things like that. And then we were always trying to get some type of food ministry started here. At times, we started picking up food from restaurants, making food, and then going out and trying to find those in need of food. Homeless people, believe it or not, I had a four-wheel drive FJ that I used to drive all through these areas here between Epic Theater and, and um, stuff. That's, there's homeless people that live all in those woods, and there's paths down through there. And we would go down in there, and we would find their tents, and we would leave food for them. And we were always trying to find them in the daytime, but we could never find them uh, most of the time. And so we were always just trying to do something in the community. And then when Corona came... We were like, man, let's, let's, if people are losing their jobs, let's feed people. So we got peanut butter and jellies, we got bleach, we got Gatorade, and we started distributing food for that. And there was many people that came out for that. We had hand-drawn signs, 30 cars maybe came through, and then, and then before long it just exploded. And I just want to really, truly take a moment and highlight those that come out every week. Thank you for what you're doing because it has really become something that is life-changing in the community and I salute you and I say may the Lord continue to breathe upon it and may we see the food ministry one day grow to where we have our own warehouses our own trucks and we're feeding multitudes upon multitudes because that matters to the Lord if you if you agree with that shout amen. amen how many people realize that God is just getting started seven years is just a beginning and there's still so much ahead of us who's excited about that when I first came here at 32 years old I was when I became a pastor. At 32 years old, uh, you, you're not qualified to lead anybody. I mean, I just don't think, but the Lord helped me. Amen. But it was the most, it was a, the most trying year of my life. A lot of personal things, a lot of uh, ministry things. But one of the things was my dad went home to be with the Lord in December of 2015, four days before Christmas. And so it was his funeral. That was a hardship. But when my dad passed away, my grandmother passed away the very next year, almost to the day. And my family had owned a farm for the last four to five generations. It had been in our, in our, in our family name, nearly three, 400 acres, like 360 acres in the great state of Tennessee. Amen. Is there any Tennesseans here? Wow. One Tennessean, for real, legit. Two Tennesseans, where y'all from? Clarksville, okay, come on. I'm from Manchester uh, and Nashville. Anyways, sorry, we just added the bond, you know what I'm saying? Because when you're a Tennessean, you, you kind of know you're better than everyone else. No, I'm just, I'm just joking. Ten Tennesseans find their spouse at family reunions. No, I'm just That way you keep the wealth in the family. Amen. <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. It's just a joke that we actually say that about Kentucky. So if you're from Kentucky, sorry, not sorry. Stir those Alabama devils up too. Amen. Everybody knows in Alabama when you, when, you, when, you, when you have your quinceanera or your six, sweet 16, it's the first time you get a pair of shoes. It's getting rough in here, I tell you. People might be from Alabama. If I get beat up in the parking lot, Christoph, you got to take my back. You know what I'm saying? They're going to jump me today. But anyways, the family farm, 360 acres, we sold it. And when you sell something like that, 
I mean, it was just dispersed to all the random family members and things like that. And I realized instantly as it happened how sad it was because what took generations really to acquire was distributed and, and given away. And I just felt to say that this morning regarding uh, church. Don't let yourself be of the persuasion that you view church as just this temporary thing that you can change. It's really meant to be a generational outpost for the kingdom of God to grow. Amen. Amen. And I remember when the Lord called me here, the Lord was like, take it, but understand this is not a stepping stone to something else. You take it if you have the vision to run with it your entire life. Amen. Amen. And so I believe that the Lord calls people into the church. I believe that it is a lifelong commitment sometimes to just gear down, knuckle down, and help build what God is doing. Amen. Amen. Who believes that? Two of us. That is awesome. We'll get together after church. And we'll make a commitment. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 12, 27 through 31. My wife and I tag team last week. I'm going to do some of the same scriptures this week, um, but we'll roll with it together. I will say this. The nine o'clock service this morning was absolutely explosive. I mean, it was fire. So you better just gear up, shake off that one hour sludge difference. You're trying to still battle. Get yourself an extra shot of espresso at the cafe and be ready to shout hallelujah because today we're going to break through in Jesus' name. If you believe it, shout amen. amen. Hallelujah. All right. All of you together are Christ's body and each of you is a part of it. Amen. We're a part of the body of Christ. Some of the parts God has appointed for the church, there are first, first are apostles. Amen. We recognize apostles because they always have gigantic golden rings, robes on, and Cadillacs. Apostle? No. No, apostles are actually sent ones, the Bible says. They are sent people with a specific message to a region to change the region. Their role is to actually build up a strong five-fold operation within that realm. So when an apostle shows up, nothing can exist. But before they're done, there are pastors, teachers, prophets, and even other apostles being raised up and stirred up. That is the call and the appointment of God. Amen. So first are apostles, second are prophets. Shout prophets. There are still prophets today. It is one of the five-fold callings. Now, because we are in the New Testament, we all have the same Spirit of God on the inside of us, so we actually all have a degree of prophecy within us. We can prophesy because the Spirit of life is within us, so we can speak things out. But the role of the prophet is a five-fold calling to strengthen and equip the church to prophesy. Amen. So they function in that. Most prophets are strange people. Amen. Anyways, moving on. Not to pick on them. But they strange people. Third are teachers. Teachers is a five-fold calling. I would venture to say this. People think of, ah, I don't want to serve in River Kids. It's the kids' ministry. Those are people in the five-fold ministry that are actually teaching and equipping the next generation with the power of the Word of God to raise up a devil-stomping, Bible-toting, spirit-filled, Holy Ghost generation full of faith and vision. Amen. Say, well, I don't know about that. I don't want to be a babysitter. Well, if you're a babysitter, we don't want you anyways. We want teachers called to God, full of the fire of the Holy in there teaching our kids. Amen. If kids ain't falling out, then something's wrong. Amen. Okay, anyways. Second, there are those who do miracles. There are those who have the gift of healing, and then there are those who help others. It's like, really? We're like, apostle, prophet, teacher, miracles, healing. And then there's those that help. 
but it's listed together. Come on, there are those who help others. Are you helping or are you hindering the body of Christ? There are those who have the gift of leadership. Those who speak in unknown languages are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, do all have the power to do miracles, do all have the gift of healing, do all have the ability to speak in unknown languages, do all have the ability to, to interpret unknown languages? Of course not. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. Now, it's interesting when you read this to say we've gone through apostles, prophets, teachers, fivefold callings, miracles, the gifts of the Spirit in operation. But it closes with saying not everybody's going to do everything, but everybody should at least desire to be helpful. Amen. Is that good? Yeah. We should have a desire within us in the church world to be a blessing, to pour out, to help, not hinder, to build and not tear down. To pour whatever we can to pour into the place to be a part of what God is doing. And if we desire that, we desire a holy thing. Amen. Amen. And then it goes on to say, I will show you a way of life that is best of all, which is 1 Corinthians 13, the chapter of love that we all say amen to and fell terribly at. <laughs> we can all read 1 Corinthians 13 and point to someone in the church that doesn't do it well, but not point to ourselves. I'll tell you, that guy needs to grow in his love. Which we were discussing the five love languages, acts of service, quality time, physical touch, gifts, and words of affirmation. And I told everybody, if you're wanting to show love to me, I actually have a sixth language. It's called vacation. <laughs> I feel love when I'm on vacation. Anybody with me, who speaks that language too? So from now on, we're for mandatory va uh, uh, vacations here. Amen. No, I nearly said the other word. Don't say the dirty word. <laughs> I'm going to have fun today. People might walk out before I'm done, but who cares? <laughs> the Bible here talks about the helps ministry. I want to let you know that the largest, some of the largest churches you see, or really all the largest churches you see, are not there because of a dynamic leader. The dynamic leader plays a part in it, but ultimately churches that grow and are actually fulfilling the call of God, not just social clubs with money, are there because people come on board and a large team assembles to get the job done. It takes many hands to accomplish something, right? And great churches are churches where so many people are actually functioning within the four walls and outside of the four walls to do the work of the ministry so that we're actually influencing the city. Amen. And the Lord spoke to me when we came here. He challenged me with the fact that I was, I was talking about 15 different pastors when I was going to be a pastor. And I said, quite honestly, quite humbly, quite truthfully, I don't know how to pastor. I don't really know what it looks like, how you do it. And so I began to glean from those that were pastoring, ask the questions about what is church growth, all of these things. How do you do these things? And one of the things that came up multiple times to me from, from several pastors that have been in the ministry many years was they said, you can't pastor a city. You can't pastor a city. And they would say that from the standpoint of understanding that there's no way that everybody in the city will come to your church. We understand that, right? There are many people that have come to our church throughout the years. Thousands of people have poured through the River Claremont. Hundreds have stuck. But the, really, the understanding is, is, is we've got to be the arms and feet of Jesus outside of the four walls to reach them. Amen. But when they said that, the Lord challenged me and said, don't ever say that from your mouth. 
He said, don't say that you can't pass our city because the Lord said, what is Ephesians? And I said, the Lord, it's the letter to the church of Ephesus. He said, what is Corinthians? I said, it's the letter to the church of Corinth. And the Lord said, I'm calling you into Claremont to raise you up as a city on a hill and the church of the city. Now, what does that mean? That means, number one, that we have an assignment from God not to just build a social club, but to build something that impacts the region of Claremont from the gospel being preached in the city square to the city council, to the school systems, to the business world. The church is meant to infiltrate until Jesus takes us home. That's why I said, occupy until I come. We are a military outpost with a vision from God to take territory in Jesus' name. Understand that because that's the assignment God placed upon the church. The church was not build a social club where people can just feel apart and they can hold signs. Thank God for signs. Thank God that you belong. But beyond belonging, change this generation through the cooperation of what God has done here. Amen. Amen. I'm fired up this morning. Amen. Amen. So you got to realize that church is a commitment where we come together as family. We rise and fall together. And the key word is family. We are in this thing together. But you know in your own personal family that there are people that you have to fast seven days before you show up at Christmas holidays just to endure Aunt Betty for a day. Oh, Lord, I thank you that Aunt Betty would not be in her particular state of mind that she would leave the Glenlivets at home this year. You know that even in your own family, there are people that grate you, yet you are still in that family. So why is it that we think that when God calls us to a spiritual family, that if someone in the crowd agitates us, it's a green light to just vacate the premises? No, agitation exists, but commitment is more important to God. There will be weird people. The Bible says there will be tares among the wheat until Jesus returns. So every church on planet earth will always have people sown in there trying to bring discord. That's why you have to solidify within yourself. You can say whatever you want to me. You can try and persuade me to back down. But I belong. I am called of God. I'm solidified in my relationship. And I will not be taken out in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lest all the devil has to do is assign one one thorn on, your, on the flesh, as Paul wrote, a messenger of Satan, is what he said, that buffets me daily, a thorn in my flesh. And people think he's talking about sickness. A messenger is not sickness. That's a person agitating and persecuting him because every day he's called to lead, called to be an apostle, but they're still nagging, you're a murderer, you killed people, you're not qualified, get out of here. We don't want to listen to you, Paul. Think about Jesus, called to bring freedom, and then they crucify him. Boy, he could have left any time, and he should have left when you look at the state of some people. But he didn't, because he saw what we don't see. And so realize, God calls you into a place, to belong in a place. And the devil's goal, because we blame the devil for many things, let's admit it. In the church world, everything's the devil's fault. I'm having financial problems, the devil got me again. No, it's actually MasterCard that got you again. It's the person that when you ask them how much they spent, they can't tell you how much they spent. They can only tell you how much they saved. Well, I didn't really spend because I actually saved $60. But how much did you spend? Well, we saved $60. 
We just spent 540. But we could have spent 600. Or, anyways, anyways, it's really popular this morning. I understand. Eight people overspent last night, and they're still upset about it. We blame the devil for everything, but one thing the devil is very good at is getting in people's minds, and I want you to understand that that's where the devil thrives. Because the scripture is very clear that there is an enemy, he does exist, he is seeking whom he may devour. And he does it through strongholds of the mind. Where he attacks your mind and tells you that you are insignificant, and that you don't matter, and that your presence doesn't matter, so what's the point of even being there? And that's the greatest lie from hell that has ever existed in the church because we compartmentalize pictures and promote certain things and think everything else doesn't matter. Let me tell you, everybody in the church matters. It matters and God calls you here and you bring something to the table that we did not have until you showed up. So be confident in the fact that God is in you, God is for you, and God has planted you so something great is going to come. If you believe that, shout amen. Church is a family. It's a commitment between us to literally be there for each other. To give, to serve, and to lend a hand. Acts chapter 6, 3 through 4. We've gone through this several times over the last few, the last probably 12 months. It's came up multiple times. But as the church grew in the book of Acts, it became quite evident that they couldn't do everything. When things start small, you can be a part of everything. As things grow, you need competent people that can run with things because you can't do everything. Amen? We need people. Think about it. There are people, like I said, that fasted probably this week to minister to the kids. That take it as such a calling. They're over there pouring into five-year-olds, giving their life out to them so that your five-year-old would know the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can't be, I can't be there. They can't be there. The worship team can't be there. A photographer, a greeter. It takes an army to do what God has called us to do. And the greater the army builds, the more multiplication and influence we begin to have on the city that God has called us to impact. Because it was never about Sunday morning anyways. Come on, somebody. It's never been about Sunday morning. It's always been about, I have called you, I have sent my spirit within you to take ground Monday through Saturday and rejoice on Sundays about it. That's why we do what we do. So we come to get equipped, to get sharpened, to get challenged, to belong, to be thrust out of the boat so we can find out we too can walk on water from time to time. Either that or swim. (laughs) Acts chapter 6, as the church grew, they said, we find seven people who are well respected, full of spirit and wisdom. We will give them this responsibility. The responsibility is to serve the church. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. The bigger the team is, the greater the impact. Because the Bible says right after that, after they appointed these seven, the church grew and multiplied daily and their influence grew. So the greater the team gets, the more the influence there is. The greater God builds a place, the more impactful it will be for generations to come. Amen. And we're believing that God, if God tarries for a hundred years, may this be still existent, vibrant, full of faith in the next generation, doing and accomplishing well beyond our wildest dreams and expectations. Come on, somebody. I believe it's possible. The ministry of helps listed in the Bible are psalmist. Psalmists are worship people. It's a calling from God to be a worshiper. In the Old Testament, the worshipers were the ones sent ahead of the warriors on the front line of the battle with nothing but instruments. Think about that for a second. 
God is not a God of strategy alone. Sometimes what God tells you to do seems like the worst strategy ever. Because the truth of the matter is, is it's a spiritual fight anyways, and it's not natural. And when you win the spirit side, the natural will manifest itself. And God knows that. We are not up against forces of flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. And we take authority in the spiritual realm, it will manifest in the natural realm. So that's why God called the psalmist, lead them out, go into battle. Time after time, you read in the Old Testament, where they went ahead and worshiped. And when they worshiped the Lord, the Bible says that the enemy's camp, they would get confused and attack one another. They would hear horse steps coming at them, galloping, and they would flee in the nighttime. Whatever the case, however God did it, worshipers was a calling of God. But let me tell you something. Understand that Lucifer in Scripture was a worshiper. He led the worship in heaven. But yet he shined the, the glory of God, reflecting full of stones. The Bible says he was full of precious stones and he reflected the glory of God. And God in his head that he was the reason and he was the glory. But as a worshiper, you are not the one that brings the glory. You are merely a reflector of what God wants to pour in. And when you know your place, you keep your heart pure. You can stand on the greatest stage and realize, if I'm singing to God, for one in the crowd or 10,000, I'm only singing to bring the glory of God through reflecting what he wants reflected. Amen. Know your place. It's a calling of God. Beyond that, there's deacons. Deacons is what we would call serve team. It's people that say, you know what? You need a table lifted. You need a chair moved. You need something vacuumed. You need some fresh oil because nobody wants some stank anointing oil. That sat there in the back and went putrid. You need a deacon that says, I'll get you extra virgin. <laughs> Nobody wants prayed for with Crisco. Come on, somebody. You got to get deacons, sharp people, parking lot people, making sure your car doesn't get beat up. Security people watching, flowing in the Holy Ghost as people come in. Shifty person on aisle three. People say your security hugs a lot. That's because they're checking for firearms. <laughs> you hugged in the pandemic. That's right, because we weren't worried about a virus. We were worried about crazy people because we stayed open. <laughs> Showing up here, threatening us. You threaten away. You pull that trigger. And if God says it ain't my time, that bullet ain't touching me. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. But beyond that, for your safety, there are people that answer that calling. That come in here every day and pray, watch, flow. We see shifty people all the time. They just usher right out. Search their bag, take them back this. <laughs> you ever see a person going like that? Just shout hallelujah and keep worshiping because the problem has already been dealt with. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Thank God for that. That's deacons. That's a calling from God where you recognize that what's happening here is holy. I'm a part of it and I'm going to serve in any capacity I can. Yes, there are great fivefold callings, but our desire should be to simply help. How can I be a help and not a hindrance? What can I do to pour out into the place? Then the Bible begins to talk about elders, those that raise up in spiritual leadership, which the Bible says there's gifts of leadership in the church. People full of wisdom. People that have been there and done something so that when they talk, they don't talk from empty places. They talk from experience. Those people can save you years of trouble if you would listen to the people that God puts in your life that pour out the wisdom that God has instilled into them. 
There's leadership in the body of Christ. People are like, I don't need it. I can find my own way. Yes, you can, and it will take a lot longer. I'm just telling it like it is. There's intercessors. Thank God for people that pray. There's people that pray, and there's people that pray. Some people are like, you know, you, know they, you, 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 you never call them if you're going through a problem. They're not the people to call because they're still trying to impress man when they pray. So all they do is lofty words. The people that are some of the greatest intercessors spit more than they pray. There's more spit than words that come out of their mouth. <laughs> Sweat beating up, you know. It's like a, Romans 8 says they may intercess with groanings which can't be uttered. There's like a place in prayer where you're just like, ah. I don't know about you, but honestly, if I'm going to get someone to pray for me, I don't want the guy that's like, Father, if there is, I see like a jewel appearing and there's crystals and, and there's like a light shining and it's coming. It's like, it's like a, does, does this bear witness with you? No, bro. Like, give me something real. I don't care about your jewels or your bedazzling. I want a Jesus that comes in power, not in bedazzles. <laughs> but then there's that prayer warrior. I mean, I, I tell this story all the time. I was preaching in the Native Brotherhood Hall in Alaska, and one of the rules is as a white guy, you can't, you, can't, you can't go there. It has to be a First Nations person unless it's opened by a chief or a tribal elder. So this tribal elder, she's like 95 years old. In a walker. I mean, when they're like, we're going to have the elder, you know, start the meeting off. It takes her like five minutes to walk up as she's using her walker. And I was like, Jesus, oh, man. <laughs> what have I gotten myself into? You know what I'm saying? Like, this is, oh, Jesus. I don't even know what these people believe. Uh, they could literally be like the crystals. The, the, I mean, bring out the peace pipe. You know what I'm saying? And I'm trying to quit that stuff right now. Somebody bear witness to that. Hallelujah. Me too, brother. <laughs> hey, man, you're in the right place. Keep coming. <laughs> Love you too. And so then this lady, five minutes, gets to the microphone. 95, looks like she's, she looks like she's 120. She's holding on to the pulpit, hunched over, and all of a sudden she takes a deep breath. Lord, I thank you that the fire of heaven would fall out of this place right now. The people would be touched at you. I'm like, go <laughs> like, This lady's done like, Jesus, that you would shake this re region, God. Uh, I'm like, I'm like fanning her. Go ahead. Go ahead. I mean, she's prophesying. When I was a teenager, the churches were full. I say that the churches will be full and the bars will be closed. I mean, she's going for it. It's like she got younger when she prayed. It's like her back straightened up and her walker was tossed. And she's like, ah, like James Brown. You know what I'm saying? Get on off of that thing. Ah, get off. We, you, you, you know, you know it's true, man. You guys, if you want someone praying, you don't want the, the, the bedazzle guy. Get up out of here. I don't need some prophetic. I need fire. I need power. I need something to change. Hey. Man, I'm fired. Yeah, the 11's coming alive right now. 
I feel it. You might hit where the nine was, but I'm telling you, the nine was like, glory. <laughs> These are callings of God. When we talk about serving the church, people are literally locked in their mind as serving is something that is base and not important. But Jesus said, I came to serve. Is Jesus base? Is he unimportant? Oh, yeah, let's not forget about Jesus. He just came to serve. Let's talk about the Father. He's greater. Serving is something we get to do. In the body of Christ. Because in the acceptance of serving the church, supernatural power gets released upon your life to get a job done that needs to get done. Amen. Amen. Now watch this. Are y'all ready for this? Man, this hit so hard in the 9 o'clock. I hope it doesn't fall flat here after I build it up. Somebody just shout, whoa, just in case. You know what I'm saying? All right, I feel it. I feel it. This smacked me because I tell you, in the kingdom of God, the thing you got to realize is there are things that are taught and there are things that are caught. There are things that are unexplainable. When you, when you grab the spiritual world, yes, you grow. Yes, the word is the spirit. Yes, the word cuts between the soul and the spirit so that you can understand what's happening. But beyond that, there are spiritual things at work that God releases that just come upon you. It's like when you're around it, and, and, and people don't get this, and I'm not, I'm not saying this in an arrogant way, but I have seen with my own life that people that cut fellowship from church, they get offended, they cut off. The moment they cut themselves off and they're removed, it's like things, hell works in their life. And you sit there as a pastor, heart grieving, crying out for them, but it's like you don't have the authority because they severed that from their relationship. And people don't understand this, but there's a corporate anointing in a church that looks like when you get in a place where God is moving, you have access to things that are flowing into your life because of the relationship that you have. It's a godly principle. It's a kingdom principle. If the devil can have powers and principalities, what can the church have? Are we supposed to sit here and think the devil's the only one that has a kingdom in the spiritual world? No. I have a kingdom in the spiritual world that has more power than every dark thing. And I belong to that place. I knit myself into it. And yes, I have had hard conversations with leaders in my life. And I've had moments where I had to make a decision. Am I going to go with what I feel I want to do or listen to the leadership God has placed in my life when literally nothing explodes within me? But they told me to do it. So now I have a decision to make. Do what I feel like or do what I'm told. We got quiet in here right now. But every time I did what I felt like, I can tell you from, from personal experience, all I did was create an Ishmael. That I was just propping up all the time, trying to feed the guy, take care of the guy, pat him on the back and deal with everything else from it. But every time I listened and did what I was told, it was like a spiritual release came upon you. Church exists because it's God building a spiritual force on planet Earth. My God, we're not a social club. Come on, somebody. And when God calls you somewhere, you knit yourself into that house and you say, bless God, we're taking territory in Jesus' name. Watch what happens. Because I came to Bible school. I was not, I'm not a speaker. I didn't know I'm not going to be a preacher. I, I'm not a singer. And so I chose prayer because I was trying to choose something in Scripture. 
And I did. And I prayed, man. Well, I pray and I spit and I'm not always fancy. Sometimes I stumble over words. Sometimes, but anybody that comes here in prayer, I mean, sometimes I don't have a microphone. I'll go for an hour just declaring, shouting, holly, lose my throat, lose my voice, whatever, not my throat, but my voice. <laughs> and pray. And that equips you to give you strength to move forward. But in Bible college, it's like you would have an opportunity to be in, a, in an atmosphere where the anointing of God would be flowing. And the power of God would fall. And there would be thousands of people in the place. And, and, and Pastor Rodney would be praying for people. And they would play, I love it, they would play the same song for, for two hours while he prays for people. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall. Let your fire fall on us. Hear your fervent, just two hours of the same song, and you're still like, <laughs> like, you don't need another song, you know, like, you don't have to move on to, I don't know, anything else, just right there, but as you would do it, you would be catching people, that's all you're doing, you're there to help, right, so you don't want people falling and hurting themselves, and I understand if it's the Lord, I firmly believe God can knock you 10 yards back, hit you in a stone wall, and you're going to wake up and feel great. Yeah. You can break your back and wake up healed in Jesus' name. <laughs> Come on, I had a friend pray for a dude. He fell down on concrete, split his head wide open, blood flowing all over the ground. And he was like, oh God, what do I do? So he just kept praying for people because he didn't want to deal with it. <laughs> Goes down the line praying for people, comes back, there's blood on the ground, but the dude is gone. He said, where's the guy that was here? There's blood all over the place. Is he okay? Oh, yeah, he's the sound guy. He's back at the sound booth. <laughs> Runs back to the sound booth, investigates the guy's head, and there's not a scratch anywhere on the dude's head. <laughs> he didn't even know he busted his head wide open because when the Lord hit him, he just fell head first. Bam, right on concrete, cracked his head. Blood's there as evidence, but he's totally fine and everything's okay. So it's not like you have to catch people, but you get to catch people. Right. Who in here has appreciated sometimes that there was someone there to catch you in your time of need? Amen. You know, because you felt it when they weren't there. You're like, Lord. <laughs> While I'm on the subject, speaking of catching, it is something you grow in. I was in a church service and Pastor Rodney called out two people, a husband and a wife up in, in uh in, in Boston, and it was a Brazilian church, awesome church, and he's praying for these two people. Well, there's only two of them, and they didn't have any catchers in this church. Nobody served in that capacity. I guess they just let people fall down. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I should have. I probably should have done that too. It was, but I'm standing there, and he's in front of the, the man, and he's laying hands on the man. So I'm standing there to catch the guy, but the wife decides this, the anointing's so strong, she's going to go ahead and fall right now. There's only me. So I try and real quickly launch to catch her see that motion i'll get up on the stage so you guys can see this you know so i'm like there she is so i'm like oh but all i managed to do is just do this and her back comes crack and i roll her on the ground like wcw she's like ah! like just scream blood curdling scream worst moment of your life you just want to disappear you know what i'm saying like True story. Pastor Rodney looks at me and says, you better pray. Her back is not broken. And then he just moves on. You just, you're like, find a happy place. Find a happy. You know. I 
So for the decency of the fellows that volunteer to catch you, fall in order. The Bible says that everything be done decently and in order. I prayed she was healed. Amen. Come on. But Numbers 11, 16 through 17. The Lord said to Moses, gather before me seven... 70 men who are recognized as elders and leaders of Israel. Bring them to the tabernacle to stand there with you. I will come down and I will talk with you there. I will take some of the spirit, whew, Jesus, that is upon you, and I will put that spirit upon them also. They will bear the burden of the people along with you, so you will not have to carry it alone. What is God saying here? He's saying the same spiritual force. That is an operation upon the generals God calls. That if you come along just to help, God says, I will put that special anointing upon you as well. So that you will run to the high places and you will take the ground you're called to take. And as a child in Bible school, I'd catch, I would catch, and I would catch, and there would be, you know, way more people than here. You know what I'm saying? My goal in life is to get 10% of what the river has. So I'm like, boom, boom, and I'd pray. And after, you know, an hour of catching people, just an hour, all you're doing is serving to catch. It would get to a point that if you even bumped a body, that body would hit the ground. And you were just, you were trying, like, okay. Take a step over, whack, they just hit the ground. You couldn't even touch a person because literally just being there, helping the man of God would come upon you so strong that if you just lay a finger on a person, they would hit the ground. And then the pastor would look at you like, you aren't doing your own prayer line, are you? <laughs> so you'd get to the point where you're trying to go through the crowd like this. like Because <laughs> you don't want to bump anybody. You're like, I ain't bumping you, I ain't bumping you, I ain't bumping you, I ain't bumping you. I ain't getting blamed for my own prayer service. No, no. They fall, they fall. But it ain't by intention. Because there's a spiritual connectivity in the body of Christ. People don't realize that. There's something supernatural that exists when you belong somewhere. When you knit yourself in with where God is moving, that comes upon you. The same strength, the same power, the same dynamic, dunamis power of God begins to flow throughout the body as it does in every, every other capacity. That's the mul multiplication of the Spirit of God. When we talk about serving, don't think of it as something that is base. Think of it as something that is a gift from God to tap you into something that is more than just you. Who wants to live 90 years on planet Earth only doing something for yourself? Who wants to get 90 years old and look back and say, I did a lot for me? Not this guy. I want to look back and realize I changed lives. I'm going to get to heaven and there are going to be crowds of people there to say that I did something to change their life. Because I'm not living for me. I'm living for something that is more than me. Whew. Now there's a story in the Bible in Luke about Martha and Mary. Two sisters. One of them was serving. One of them was sitting. A lot of people read that and think, well, then all we should do is sit. Because Jesus, when Martha complained and said, you know, Jesus, what's up with this? Mary's just sitting and I'm doing all the work. Ugh. <laughs> and the Lord said, look, don't, don't get after Mary because she's discovered the thing that matters, being with me. And I'm sure that Jesus would have loved to fast and not eaten. But there were other people there besides Jesus. 
It kind of goes back to when you look at church as a whole. People, you have to realize that a church is a hospital too. It's a military outpost, but it's also a hospital. And there are people that are 40 years full of the God, full of the word, walking and upright now, free, free of sin in their life. And there are people that are struggling every day to make ends meet, to get their lives pure. And they all sit in the same corporate gathering. And if you take the power of God out of that scenario, how in the world are you ever going to move that body together forward? It takes the power of God. It takes the supernatural. And so there's the difference is the moral of the story wasn't be lazy and just sit. The moral of the story is that whatever role you're playing, play it with all of your heart. That if it is your turn to serve, you serve with everything you've got so that Mary can sit at the feet of Jesus. Because eventually you sit long enough at the feet of Jesus, you're going to get so full that you can't sit, you got to run. And that's the degree of the church. That's how things get multiplied. That's how people get strengthened. Is that whatever role I'm in, I will do it with all of my heart. And if I do, if I'm serving, I'm going to serve and lift up the hands of God's people so that they can be in there and not worry about their children, not worry about any aspect, but just be filled up with the things of God because they need it. Because you need it. Do you need God? Come on, somebody. If you need God, shout amen. Amen. We all need him. So that's the capacity of this. And then the role is, after you've served faithfully, don't just serve for 12 months and burn yourself out and say that the church did you wrong. You're a grown-up. Grow up. And recognize that when you feel drained, it's time to go sit at the feet of Jesus and get yourself filled back up again so that you're not doing it from a place of emptiness but a place of overflow. Are you with me right now? I'm preaching better than you're shouting, but that's all right. It's understanding the corporate supernatural capacity of the church. That when you belong in the church, you can begin to flow in the church. You know, we're called the river not because there is a river that flows on our property. There is no river here. Well, except when it rains. Then there is a river. (laughs) Right from the Holiday Inn Express straight down. Amen. Did you stay at a Holiday Inn Express last night? No, but I did get some of their water. But we call ourselves the river because there's a flow in the kingdom of God. God is a God of flow. There's flow. You catch The flow of the Spirit of God, and it takes you on a journey. There's a river that flows from the throne of grace, Revelations 22. It's crystal clear, and everywhere that river goes, life springs up on both the banks. And one dip in that river, the Bible says, every scar, every wound of this life is forever washed off of you before you get to the other side. That is the river of God. That river flows. There is a stream whose rivers, there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God. It flows from the church. And when you get ingratiated by the Spirit of God into a place, I've had times where it's like you're sitting in the service and the Spirit of God speaks to you a word. And that doesn't mean you have to run up and grab a microphone. It means that God is speaking to you because if you wait 15 seconds, 30 seconds, 2 minutes, maybe 10 minutes, that's exactly where the meeting will go. I've had it happen time and time again. The person with the microphone begins to speak exactly what the Lord was just putting in my spirit. Why? God's not doing it so that I know I'm a leader. God's doing it so that I know I belong. I'm a part of what's happening here. The Lord is revealing it to me because I can be praying ahead of time into what God speaks. Think about it. You're in a service and the Lord's laying on you. Miracles, miracles, miracles. And you start to pray into that and intercede. And then the the meeting moves to that. Now it's not just one person trying to move into that. Now the church is corporately moving into the realm of miracles. 
we're setting an atmosphere where God is able to move and do miraculous supernatural things. You're a part of it. Amen? It's not about sitting in a chair. If the greatest thing we can do is sit in a chair, then we can all do that at a sporting event. No, God called the church to take ground. We don't just sit. We take territory in Jesus' name. Amen? I'm starting to wrap up right now, but ultimately the Bible says in Matthew 23, verse 11, The greatest among you must be a servant, but those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those who humble them, we read this last week, those who humble themselves will be exalted. I don't know about you, but this sounds like promotion. Do you agree that that sounds like promotion? That when the Lord says, I will exalt those who humble themselves, if God is exalting you, that is promotion from God. And if God is the one that promotes you, then this world cannot demote you. You believe that? Shout amen. Amen. But I want to draw your attention to this because I think where we sometimes do it, every church is so engrafted in society to be this. This is church. But then I leave church and I live my life. But you're the church. Together, we're the church. So the church's influence is not here. And the rewards of God are not just tied to here. When God says promote, people think, well, that means a promotion within the house of God. No, you could literally spend your entire life as an usher in the house of the Lord, but God promotes you outside of these four walls as a leader in the community. It's not about God saying, if if God's greatest gift is I can give you a title within the church, we've missed the entire kingdom of God. That's not what he's saying. He's not saying, I'll promote you and give you another assignment in the church. Yes, there's a form of that. Yes, God calls people. Yes, God elevates people within the church to be leaders. But outside of that, God wants to bless your socks off and elevate you in front of your peers, in front of business people, in front of politicians. He wants to put favor upon your life that makes you be lifted up from those around you. Whatever it is you do, When you serve the Lord and you serve his kingdom with all of your heart, you will not have to strive for what other people have to strive after. You will not have to finagle deals. You won't have to blackmail. You won't have to lie and cheat. You won't have to hide things that favor on your life will cause you to be elevated and stand at the right place at the right time because God is on your side and no one plans better than our God. If you believe that, shout amen right now. When God says promote you, he's not saying, look, I'll give you a title of deacon or elder. Yes, that can happen. But beyond that, he's saying outside the four walls of the church, I will give you promotion that the world will see. Because that's how you influence a city. You don't influence a city with a title. I can stand in any city office, and if I say pastor, it doesn't carry weight. But if you stand there as a blessed person, elevated with influence, then what you say matters. Do you know that the Bible even says that a a, a poor person's words are not heard? That sometimes when God promotes you, he's saying, I will elevate you financially. So that you could be a blessing to those around you in business. So that people would recognize that you carry something beyond this world. When God elevates a person, it's not just within the four walls of the church. It's a promotion that leads to great things in life. Because the church is not just a social club that meets on Sundays. We are men and women of God. Bought with a price, filled with the spirit, given an assignment to take territory Monday through Saturday. 
Everywhere we go, the sole of our foot treads, God gives us the anointing to take that ground. That's why we firmly believe in the calling of God in this place. We firmly believe it's not, thank God that not everybody is fighting to be an apostle. Thank God not everybody's a prophet. Because if we were all the same thing, we wouldn't need each other. But we are not all the same thing, so we do need each other. The person in ministry needs the business people. The business people need the faithful workers that get the job done, that pour out. Understand, whatever it is that brings you joy and fulfillment, do it with all of your heart, but serve the body of Christ. And in that, there's a supernatural award, reward that comes upon you. The greatest among you must be a servant. 1 Samuel 2.30, the Lord says, the Lord, therefore the Lord, the God of Israel says, I promise that your branch of the tribe of Levi will always be my priest, but I will honor those who honor me, and I will despise those who think lightly of me. God will honor those that honor him. So are you living a life of honor to the Lord? And that is not something that just, I honor the Lord by showing up at church. I honor the Lord by living my life for him. By serving his bride, by recognizing that if he calls me to have a role as a servant, or if he calls me to take a step forward, if he calls me to take a season of rest, I'm going to do it with all of my heart, and I'm going to stay connected to what God is doing in this hour. God has a plan for every city of America, but we have been called to Claremont, which means we need to shake Claremont. Amen? Amen. Who believes that God can do great things? Let me tell you. I can see because I understand, I'm a person, I, I have vision. That's what I see. I don't always see what it takes to get there. Thank God. Yeah. Sometimes I do. I can work some things out. I'm not like a total imbecile at it. I can know some things. But I don't, that's not my thriving place. My thriving place is I see things, and, I, and that's why I talked about the food ministry. Because you see that, that people have literally taken ownership of that, and they're faithfully doing that week in after week out. And they're pouring into people's lives. That's why you take soul winning. There's people that show up there. I'm not there. But yet people are there winning souls, winning souls, winning souls, winning souls. The kingdom of God becomes a force that is unstoppable. Because we recognize that. And that's where the enemy does so good to divide and conquer. He comes in and whispers to people that what burns within your heart you can never do. If you're a part of something else, you have to do your own thing. You don't always have to do your own thing. That within the place, God will raise up ministries. Yeah. The day will come that we will have a warehouse with food stocked and trucks running. Amen. Yes, the day will come that we'll have outreach teams running crusades all across America. The day will come that we will not be a city, just a city of Claremont Church, but we will have churches spread around. But the way we're going to do that is not the screen. It's going to be raising up godly people full of the fire to send out with an assignment to take ground. The Lord is going to do these things. And you're a part of that here at the river. Whatever God has in store, just wake up every day and stir within you fresh hope and expectation that, yes, God has it. And then I'll tell you this in closing, and then we'll have every, every head bowed, every eye closed, if I can get someone on the keys right now. There is just some times in life that it seems like you are waiting and waiting and waiting. And in the waiting time where people lose it is they stop pouring out and they stop doing things and they just sit there and wait right. and expect something to change. If you find yourself in a season of waiting, two things you got to ask yourself. Number one, is there something God told you to do that you are not doing? And if that is true, you say, Pastor Caleb, the Lord spoke to me three years ago to do this, to do that, and I didn't do it. 
then you need to make right with what the Lord told you to do. Always check your obedience. Not just obedience to His Word, but obedience to what He's laid upon you to do. Because your faithfulness in that matters to God. And there's no prophet that can prophesy you out of that season of waiting, no matter how cool He makes it sound, if you don't do what God told you to do. So you have to do it. Secondly, you're in a season of waiting and you don't know anything God told you to do. Then my challenge to you is look at your life and realize, am I pouring out my life into others? Or am I sitting waiting for something to happen and break loose without me putting my hand to anything? Because putting your hand to something that is small, as the Bible says, don't despise the days of small beginnings. Whatever it is you you deem, too many people in the body of Christ that it's like they, they want to jump past every part and everything. And the world, American culture has taught us that this is what we deserve and this is what we are. And yet Jesus lowered himself and lived a life of a servant and said that the greatest in my kingdom is that person. In this room, I know that God did not call you here by mistake. What God has been doing for the last seven years here is well beyond even what I can see. These days I wake up and I feel like I'm attached to a, a group of wild horses just trying to not be drugged down the road. Life flying by so quickly. But then when you look back, you see all the things that God orchestrated and built in seasons of just great rushing. And you're like, you're doing something. There's times I feel totally out of control. But when I look back, I can see how God was doing something. So there's times you just have to let go and let God. And realize, man, I'm in it to win it. I'm in it for the long run. And if it's, if it's times that seem so busy, I feel like I don't know what to do. You look back and realize, wait a second, God, you're doing something in my life. And all it continues to take is a simple yes every morning of your life to say, yes, God, I will serve you. Yes, God, I will go. Yes, God, I will put my hand to it. Yes, God, I will dress myself, step out that door, and I will put my hand to what you have assigned me to do. I will not stop, and I will not grow weary. And I feel as we close this, I felt that. Thanks for listening to the River Claremont Podcast. If you'd like to partner with us in seeing lives touched and changed by the love and power of Jesus, you can give online at www.riverclaremont.com. Your prayers and financial support are changing lives. Thank you.